32 decades. The award-winning Your Financial Editor Program on 930 WFMD. News from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor Program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. Also available as a podcast on iTunes. And don't forget the free WFMD app that you can uh, keep on your smartphone or other devices and have uh, all the good programming right at your fingertips. I am Chris Murray, your host. Thanks so much uh, for spending some time with us today. Good program. Interesting top stories. A little bit of economic data. And joining me in just a bit, Mr. Anthony Kim. He is the uh, research manager and editor of the Index of Economic Freedom. This is something that comes out once a year. It looks at countries across the globe. It compares the uh, communist countries, the socialist countries, free market environments, and uh, shows the results of how those citizens within those countries thrive, sometimes survive, barely, and um, and try to prosper. So we're going to be talking about that, uh, other countries, and then, of course, uh, including mainly where the United States finds itself uh, now and going forward. So really interesting to see how this uh, index impacts um, poverty, health care, uh, social opportunities, obviously uh, economic and financial opportunities. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Well, we heard this week that uh, the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, uh, no stranger to uh, Washington, D.C., uh, indicated that Biden is open to pursuing a wealth tax as a means of paying for his trillion-dollar agenda. And that's a big question. How are we going to pay for that? Uh, you know, we talked at the beginning of the month Elizabeth Warren and other progressive uh, progressives unveiled legislation at the beginning of this month saying that, uh, you know, we want to come up with these new taxes and yada, yada. You know the story with uh, with those folks. And Yellen is backing that up, saying that's something that we haven't decided on yet and we can look at. Uh, she said that while uh, making some comments. And she also said that Biden supported other tax hikes during his uh, campaign. So uh, the Biden administration, not so much Biden, but the administration and the people around that are, you know, making decisions and coming up with ideas, they're actively exploring other ways to offset that $1.9 trillion. Um, you can't call it a relief bill. It was just pure spending, all but 9% of it. Um, you know, that 9% was for covid uh, issues, and that's good. Obviously, you know, there are people that are hurting, uh, they're sick, or whatever the case might be. They really needed that. Um, but the rest of it was uh, just buy off, payback, uh, consolidating power, you know, however you want to look at it in those 5,000 plus pages. And the um, plan changes do include raising the corporate tax rate. You have to wait and see what that does to the financial markets. Raising the income tax rates, uh, you have to, you know, see how that's going to impact those that would have been spending money, but then they don't spend money because of the tax height. Expanding the estate tax, which FYI, just in case you don't know, which um, I believe most of our listeners do, 
the estate tax is a death tax. So after you pay your income tax, your sales tax, your property tax, your gas tax, and all the other taxes that you pay, um, the government uh, wants to tax certain people when they die, too. Well, not them. They've moved on to, to better things, but their families. And that's where you see these forced liquidations where properties have to be sold, businesses have to be sold just in order to pay the government off. So it's just a horrific uh, tax like many of them are. And um, again, you know, getting back to raising the, the higher capital gains tax rate along along with those corporate tax rate increases, it's not going to be good. You know, there's there's just no way. History has proven that it's not good when you have uh, more taxes, more regulation, more government. It's it's a recipe for just a disaster, uh, except for the people that are involved in that. Then it's good for them and for their uh, pet projects and, you know, the elite, things of that nature. So you look at all this money, the trillions and trillions of dollars that we have in debt now. By the way, not including the train just steaming down the line when it comes to Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid insolvency. Okay, because we're on the hook for all that. We being us, the taxpayers, the government, the, the uh, officials don't care, but the taxpayers. So us, our children, our grandchildren, our great grandchildren, they're the ones that are going to be punished because of uh, these things that were done um, in the past by certain administrations. And then definitely now with this one, let me put this into perspective for you. Adjusted for inflation, the United States has spent more during not on, but during the virus, than all of the money spent during World War II. Hard to believe, isn't it? So December 7th, 1941, we declare war um, against Japan, join our allies against Germany and the others, and fight, finally, um after the Europeans surrendered, then, of course, the Japanese surrendered on September 2nd, 1945. We saved the world with that money. And we've already spent more on, again, um, or during, I should say, not on, during this virus. Because so much of it is misspent. And it's just ridiculous uh, that they're saying it's it's for the virus. It really isn't, and most people know that. Uh, but unfortunately, a lot of people don't, right? They, I mean, depending on who they put their trust in, where they listen to the facts and figures, and uh, really understand what's going on, there are a lot of zombies walking around out there, you know, in their own little echo chamber, in their mind, telling themselves certain things. But you would think in their gut, they know that it's not true. Now, it's not going to stop them from thinking and doing these things, but it's good to know that in their gut they realize that it's it's wrong. So, yeah, we saved the world. Now politicians and bureaucrats and elites, they're saving themselves, nobody else. So uh, in line with that, you know, we saw that Bernie Sanders came out and said on Wednesday, uh, actually didn't say, introduced legislation to apply tax penalties on companies that pay their CEOs a certain amount of money. Yeah, so he's got, you know, he's got, a, again, Elizabeth Warren, um, Ed Markey, uh, Chris Van Hollen, and others 
uh, Rashad Tlaib from Michigan. You know, they're saying, yeah, we want to tax uh, CEOs based on a certain amount of uh, of income that they receive. Now, of course, when they leave politics, if they do, which they'll probably have to be drug out or or put a toe tag on them, you know, then they'll be out of politics. But when they do, if they do leave, you know what they're going to do. They're going to go become a lobbyist or they're going to start a business or they're going to take some type of payback position and they're going to make millions and millions and millions of dollars. But in the interim, while they're not making that, and the funny thing is with Bernie Sanders when he made all that money on his book, and, you know, people said, you're going to donate that, right? You're going to give that money to the poor. And, of course, his response in a very snide way was, well, if you want that kind of money, you write a book. So it's so there, it's so transparent what these people are really all about. They say one thing, and then, of course, they do another. Whether it's not paying attention to the the government shutdowns with uh, the whole uh, virus thing or what you can say or can't say um, because it might hurt their, um, you know, their relationship, again, with uh, a a company or an association or a group of people or um, their constituents that, you know, they want to make sure that they sound good, uh, even though in their heart of hearts, I really believe this, and in their gut, they know that it's just not right. It's manipulation. They're taking advantage of people um, and sectors. It's uh, it, it's really a shame. Now, we also heard, staying on the same topic, from the ta- uh, Tax Foundation president, uh, Mr. Scott Hodge, he warned that economists are currently very concerned about the amount of government spending that's been put into the economy and what impact that it's going to have on inflation. So uh, he noted that he remembers when inflation was considered a tax on American incomes. That's because, of course, inflation causes uh, pricing pressure. You see pricing go up, so your dollar power is eroded. It's not worth as much when inflation kicks in and prices go up. He pointed out that some economists are concerned the stimulus could bring back a, a very heavy and healthy level of inflation, which is not what we want. He said that if uh, Biden enacted his plan to increase taxes, which we've talked about a little bit, on top of inflation, it could have a very, very severe impact on the economy. Again, I mean, that's just back-of-the-envelope math. That's nothing complicated about that. Um, it, it makes sense that if you're going to raise taxes, have all this government spending, you're going to have problems with inflation. Although everybody's dismissing it, including um, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell. So, you know, he was appointed by President Trump, and he's probably hoping to get reappointed. So he's saying things like, yeah, this inflation, it's going to be transitory because of the virus and other things that don't make a whole lot of sense when you consider the trillions of dollars that have been um, spent of taxpayer money and how it's just sloshing around out there right now. Uh, so inflation is going to be uh, a potential nightmare depending on how the Federal Reserve handles uh, interest rate policies because what would happen is you'd have to raise interest rates to try to uh, squash raising prices. 
So that becomes very tough for a lot of people to do, people meaning the the uh, Federal Reserve board members, bank presidents, uh, you know, et cetera, and, of course, Powell himself. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Scathing comments from the former CEO of McDonald's, um, Ed Renzi, said that many people are fed up with the government following the virus lockdowns and that liberties are going to be throttled like they are now unless term limits are set. So he's talking about, again, these politicians just comes back to that, that, um, you know, their overreach. And he used some really good examples. He was talking about the terrible lack of leadership on the part of the people in California, i.e. Gavin Newsom. He was saying that the governor obviously is not responding to the people. You know who I really feel bad for in California and in um, New York and in other states as well? Um, The level-headed, common-sense, traditional-type folks that live there. I mean, they have like 0% representation. And I, I remember I was at a business meeting in Atlanta and was talking with uh, someone from Burbank, you know, Hollywood. Um, and he just said it's embarrassing the way it is out there. I don't know if he's still there or not because so many people have left. But, yeah, I mean, he said, I'm embarrassed to say that, you know, I'm from from Hollywood, Burbank. And uh, you really have to feel badly for those folks. And the ones in New York, again, the cities, they just continue making the same wrong mistakes over and over when it comes to voting. Whether you're Baltimore, Washington, Chicago, New York, Atlanta, etc. That's just one bad decision after another when it comes to their voting. But uh, anyway, he was comparing, uh, again, um, Gavin Newsom to um, DeSantis down in Florida, where he actually lives. And, and again, I'm speaking about uh, former CEO of uh, McDonald's. And he was saying that DeSantis uh, has followed the facts, looked at the science, made good judgments, and told the people of Florida, use common sense, don't gather in large crowds of strangers, uh, stay six feet apart, wash your hands, keep your hands off your face, be careful, and go outside and enjoy life. So a huge difference between, you know, again, a Cuomo and a Newsom compared to uh, DeSantis and some of the others who have just really done a phenomenal job in managing uh, the virus from the time it got here from from China to even to now, you know, not overreacting one way or the other. And again, preserving those liberties, helping people when it comes to the ability to be out because of mental health and other issues that really are hurtful for them. So uh, I thought that was really good. I just wanted to share that with you. And he's a very successful man, was very successful at McDonald's as a CEO. Uh, quick break. The latest uh, complimentary takeaway we have for you, the value of an objective opinion. Go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. It's right on the uh, home page. Just click the tab, and it's an immediate download for you. And I hope you enjoy it. And um, we're going to be talking about some economic data on the other side. And then just uh, very shortly, we'll be talking with my guest, Mr. Anthony Kim. He's a research manager and editor 
of the Index of Economic Freedom, and we'll be talking about that and its importance. Can't go wrong with some uh, KC and the Sunshine Band. That takes you back. Uh, when we talk about economic data this uh, this week, it wasn't a super busy week, but there was, you know, some interesting stuff to take a look at. Uh, unfortunately, something that we follow every week here on the program um, is the initial jobless claims from the previous week. And what we saw, the number of Americans filing for first time, that's first time, Unemployment benefits rose last week. Uh, according to the Labor Department, 770,000 Americans filed first-time jobless claims, much higher than the 700,000 that were forecast by economists. That was a big miss. Then when you look at continuing claims or the number of Americans who are consecutively receiving unemployment aid, it's at 4,124,000. That's not a good number. And then and on top of that, many more Americans are receiving jobless aid from two federal programs that Congress established with the CARES Act back in March. So and, and you see the government renewed that supplemental 300 bucks a week uh, jobless benefit. Um, also, you've got these stimulus checks going out. So um, people actually... I can't believe I'm saying this in the United States of America, but are being encouraged to not work because they'll make more money. So you, literally you have people be like, yeah, I'm not going back to work because I get uh, initial jobless uh, benefits. I get the supplemental money. And all of a sudden, sudden, I'm making more money per hour than if I'm just doing my regular job. That is, well, you know, uh, the word as far as um, it's bass backwards is what it is. It makes no sense, except that this administration, like um, the the Obama administration, they just want to put a little baby nipple on the top of the Capitol building down there. And for all those lazy and, um, you know, folks that want to work the system and just want to be taken care of and not have to do anything on their own or don't have the pride to do that. That, you know, they, they want to make you, uh, fall in line, if you will. And, um, that's an extremely dangerous place to be. So, um, I feel very, very bad as I have, not just during the virus, but always when people are out of work. Um, but also you have to realize you don't want to encourage people to not work by giving them more money. That's just, that's, they're idiots when they do that type of uh, thing, even when they think that way. Um, the once red-hot housing market's cooling off a little bit. 
And that's because uh, mortgage rates are going up. Also, you have the surging material cost, and that's taken a toll. So housing starts and building permits uh, both fell by more than expected in February, according to the uh, the data that I saw on Wednesday that came from the Commerce Department. And that bad news came just a day after a survey found that home builder confidence fell to a seven-month low in March. So the housing se- sector, it's been a pillar, as I've said, you know, of our uh, economy for quite some time. It accounts for about 15 to 20 percent of the country's gross domestic product. That's according to the National Association of Realtors. But again, we saw this 30-year fixed mortgage rate touch a seven-month high of 3.24 percent. That's up more than uh, 0.3 percent over the past month. Um, and I think people just really kind of got spoiled, if you will. I mean, think about that number, 3.24. That's not a bad number. That's still cheap money. But again, maybe getting a little bit spoiled there. Um, so yeah, housing starts were down 10.3% and, um, building permits declined to a three month low. So we have to keep an eye on that because as I mentioned, it's been such an important part of our economy. Um, but you have those things where it's definitely a seller's market. You don't have a lot of inventory. Um, you have these price wars. And then when you have the rates going up, it can price people out of a certain home that, you know, they would really like to have. Something else that we saw that was not good. Retail sales fell more than expected in February. So you saw the U.S. consumer pulling back on their spending. Um, the value of total sales decreased 3% from the prior month, according to the Commerce Department. Economists surveyed, they thought or expected that sales would fall just a half of a percent. They were down 3%. Once again, just a huge miss uh, for these economists and their projections. Um, now, what's going to help retail sales is businesses opening back up which should have happened months and months and months and months ago. Instead of picking winners and losers like a CVS or a Home Depot or a Walmart, you can't do that to the medium and small businesses. Why that was allowed to happen, boy, I mean, that's a discussion for another day, but um, it, it's really a shame uh, even if you were going to, again, put that uh, little baby nipple on the top of the Capitol and said, we're going to give you, you know, these loans and we're going to get we're going to forgive loans and we're going to do this and that to help you. And we're going to help you pay people, even though they're not working. It just it was totally the wrong way to go about it, uh, for sure. The last thing I'll share with you, the Federal Reserve, they concluded their two day meeting. Um, it started Tuesday and ended on Wednesday. No surprise, uh, Jerome Powell, the chairman, had his press conference uh, after and in really prepared remarks was saying that interest rates, excuse me, are going to stay low, uh, probably to 2023, near 0%. And uh, they're going to continue spending billions of dollars every month buying up mortgage-backed securities and other uh, treasury issues. Uh, to try to prop up those markets. So that's not even added into all the other trillions 
that we've been talking about as far as spending, but it's something you really have to take into consideration because um, it's spending just in a different way. Uh, again, before our break here, if you go to uh, murrayfinancialgroup.com, complimentary uh, download for you is the value of an objective opinion. Why objective financial advice is important, uh, especially after the last 12 months that we've had here in this country uh, and abroad. So uh, that's, uh, as I mentioned, uh, complimentary. You just click the button on the homepage, murrayfinancialgroup.com, and um, it downloads right to your uh, to your email. And uh, I hope it's helpful for you. That's why we do those do those things. Uh, when we come back, we'll be talking with my guest, Mr. Anthony Kim. He is the research manager and the editor of the Index of Economic Freedom. We're going to talk about why economic freedom, uh, number one, who has it and who doesn't, and uh, number two, why it's so important. Country boy learns in life how to shoot a gun and how to use a knife. But when I pulled into Hershey, PA, I took my guitar up on the big stage. That night I did. It's your financial editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And, of course, as a podcast on iTunes. And also you can download the free WFMD app on your smartphone um, or other device and have it literally right at your fingertips. Um, as I mentioned right before the break, we were going to be jumping into our discussion with uh, my guests this morning. Mr. Anthony Kim, uh, researchers international economic issues at the Heritage Foundation with the focus on economic freedom and free trade. Uh, he attended um, uh, the Rutgers University uh, and studied economics. He holds a master's degree in international trade and investment policy uh, from George Washington University. And he is the uh, research manager and editor of something called the Index of Economic Freedom, uh, something that we talk about on the program uh, often uh, when it comes out. And uh, I just wanted to make sure that we had the opportunity to talk with Mr. Kim this morning about that index. Good morning, Mr. Kim. Good morning, Chris. This is Anthony and not Mr. Kim. Great <laughs> to be with you this morning. Okay. Yes, sir. Uh, same to you. Thanks, Anthony. So if you would, just tell our listeners a little bit about uh, the the backdrop, if you will, of the Index of Economic Freedom. Of course, Chris. Uh, once again, I'm delighted to be with you this morning. Uh, the Heritage Foundation, a research and educational uh, institute, we are not a political organization. We are interested in policy discussions. We have been producing this annual index of economic freedom since 1995. 
So this is not really just a dry academic research exercise. What we are trying to say is that really good policies matter, good policies, especially good economic policies uh, with which we can help people, you and I and our audience on your show, where we can really achieve our dreams, whether small business or whatever jobs we like to pursue. So this is really about economic livelihood and empowering you and me and all the ordinary people through good economic policies. So my bottom line message is very simple. Economic freedom matters. Openness, transparency, accountability, they are all important ingredients of economic freedom. So um, and, and, and in this index, uh, just so everybody knows, which, by the way, you can go to heritage.org and read uh, uh, the commentary on this piece and then also click on the actual um, uh, index itself and see where everybody uh, falls. And we're going to talk about that in, in, as we go along this morning. But basically, it's 184 countries, if I remember correctly. But... Um, you know, Anthony, you, you also break them down to uh, free, mostly free, moderately free, etc. Could you kind of talk about what those uh, designations mean? Great. Absolutely. So I really like this uh, ping pong, you know, table tennis you and I are doing, small kitchen table discussion. As you pointed out, our index is a global study. You know, we compare countries around the world, more than 180 countries, as you indicated, who's doing well, who's doing not well. So this is really global study. And in our index, we have a five specific economic freedom uh, categories, what we call. So it's from free, economically free, to uh, economically repressed. If you look at our index by visiting our index uh, heritage website, you will see the countries like Singapore, Australia, Switzerland, they are in the top league of the index rankings. And if you go the other side, you will see countries like Cuba, Venezuela, and North Korea, uh, which is at rock bottom. So this is very uh, uh, clear uh, if you compare, uh, for example, Switzerland with the North Korea. I mean, the big difference between these two countries is basically freedom and openness and transparency. And one kind of a worrisome news is that United States, we as a nation, we've been falling a bit behind many other countries. So ahead of us, United States, there are 19 countries ahead of us. I think this is something that we and your listeners and you and I, we need to pay greater attention to because, as I said earlier, economic freedom matters. It really is about empowering you and me and all the people uh, who cares about freedom. But really, this is time to focus on good policies that can promote economic freedom yeah i agree 100 percent, and that's what caught well it catches my attention every year when i receive it uh in my email package that i get from the heritage every day via the daily signal and it's very very good information as you said it's not uh partisan it's just based on policy and facts and that's what we need a whole lot more of so i appreciate uh your work and your colleagues work um you know i have only ever uh, lived in the United States. I know some people have lived abroad 
and they've uh, not only, you know, so like I read about these types of things, but there are people that experience them. Have you ever lived outside of the country? Indeed. Uh, so, you know, I was born in uh, Seoul, South Korea. So my beginning was a bit different from yours. And then I uh, decided to come to this great nation by my choice. And then, you know, I'm a citizen and, I, and I'm proud American. Uh, I want to point out that really good policies, either economic policies or public health policies, we need to really uh, keep our eyes on how to really advance transparency and openness and efficiency of, of our nation. So that's what we are trying to convey every year through our annual publication of the index. Again, I'm so glad to hear that, you know, you pointed out that this is not really a Republican issue or Democratic issue. But this is really common sense approach because we need a good economic governance. We need a good economic dynamism for the people of Maryland and for the people of the United States. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, and, you know, it's really good that with the program now um, in its 23rd year here, uh, the your, your financial editor program, you know, we do, because of technology, literally have people across the entire country um, that listen to the program, perhaps they moved away or whatever the case may be, the, the, uh, a certain episode was shared. And like you said, this appeals to the entire country. And I think as you mentioned, and I, I join you in being a very proud American, to see the United States at number 20 is it's very disheartening. I mean, we've got at number 14, United Arab Emirates, um, and number 12, Georgia, uh, number eight, Estonia. I mean, it just doesn't seem like we should be at number 20. I mean, again, that's why you and I and all the audience uh, you have, we really need to notch up our attention. I mean, again, let's be fair. United States, we are a big nation. This is a very big, complicated democracy. Uh, some countries, like uh, you mentioned, Estonia and Georgia in Europe, I mean, they have certain advantage of being small, but nonetheless, what we are trying to compete is a policy competition. This is not really about size. This is not about, you know, command and control economic system versus uh, other uh, economic systems. What we are trying to do is how to compete, how as a nation we can be resilient. That's the key bottom line, and as you mentioned, this is very disappointing trend we are in. So I'm I'm quite concerned about the overall trajectory we are on nowadays. I mean, I of course recognize kind of uncertainty and the burden that has been imposed by the ongoing pandemic, but we cannot spend our ways out of the crisis. We got to be a bit more than that. We've got to be more sensible in terms of uh, revitalizing our economic system and economic growth. So, once again, I want to emphasize that, you know, how to empower the private sector activity through sensible policies, that really matters, and that's the discussion we should have. Yep, yep, and that's why uh, we're so happy to have you on this morning so we can have that discussion, and uh, we're going to take a quick break. 
When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with our guest this morning, Mr. Anthony Kim, um, who is the research manager and editor of the Index of Economic Freedom. Uh, the 2021 uh, is out there. Um, if you missed it, when we come back, I'll tell you how to get it. Stay tuned. Watch Newsmax TV as it exposes cancel culture's dangerous agenda. Tune into Newsmax TV for blockbuster shows with Greg Kelly, Grant Stinchfield, Rob Schmidt, and more. Newsmax TV is on all major cable systems. If you don't get it, call your operator. Newsmax is free on smart TVs and Roku, YouTube, Zumo, and Pluto. And download the free Newsmax app on your phone and start watching. Millions already are. So should you. How long is it going to go on like this? Stay tuned for the latest on reopening Mid Maryland on News Radio 930 WFMD. Your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. Uh, also as a podcast on iTunes. And you can download the WFMD app. That's a free app. And uh, you'll have all of the programming, local, uh, national, all the syndicated folks, literally right in your hand via that app. And we're uh, continuing our conversation with my guest this morning, Mr. Anthony Kim. He researches international economic issues at the Heritage Foundation, which is a good friend of the Your Financial Editor program, has been for years. And we appreciate their work and also with taking time out of their schedule to share their work so that you can become better informed. And um, and that's the, the key, better educated, et cetera. And, um, Anthony, you know, one of the things or a couple of the things as our last eight minutes here that we have in finishing up, you know, you talk about uh, in the index um, the importance of the, the the strong economies that are created by these uh, free nations. You know, they have stronger economies. Can you go into that a little bit and what it means to the citizens? Sure. I mean, you know, you and I obviously cherish the, the, the values of this great nation. I mean, we're talking about really freedom openness, transparency, accountability, and all the basic principles we've been, uh, uh, you know, exercising and we've been pursuing. So really it comes down to, you know, these fundamental values we have to sharpen, we have to pass on to our next generation. So let's be candid. It's not that government programs that can give you, you know, sustainable jobs. It's really about private sector, individual citizens. We work hard. We pursue our dream through the voluntary exchange of ideas and information through the market system. And that's why this is really about the space battle. Space meaning, you know, the governmental space versus private sector citizen space. Again, when it comes down to economic activity, who creates jobs? It's a private sector citizen, whatever small-scale mom-and-pop shops or radio hosts like you. This is really a, an occasion where individual citizens interact with each other through their own entrepreneurship. 
So that's the really the fundamental values of free market system. I mean, some people may say, hey, you know, this is not really going as I wished. I mean, that's uh, really everybody's thinking. I mean, it cannot be 100% perfect, but we do know that, uh, you know, as we go, uh, we're going to sharpen up, we're going uh, to make our private sector economy more dynamic, and that's why we need a good policy discussions from the policymakers. Yeah, and and again, you know, it's nice when we look at the uh, charts that are uh, that accompany uh, the index. Uh, and uh, uh, folks, you can go to www.heritage.org, and you can uh, type in um, whether it's to, you know you can type in the uh, index of economic freedom. You can type in Anthony Kim K I M. Um, and it'll all lead you to the to the report, and you can print it off for free and enjoy it and learn from it. And also, you can click, and uh, you have the uh, the the web link, which really is good because, like right now, I'm looking at the United States. We mentioned they were number 20, unfortunately, out of the over 180 countries. And you can see how they're scored an overall score, and then you look at the rule of law. Unfortunately, we're down on property rights judicial effectiveness, government integrity. Then you look at regulatory efficiency. We're down in business freedom. We're down in labor freedom. Um, and, of course, in fiscal health when it comes to government size. So these are all things that can be fixed, but we have to fix them with our involvement, our conversations, as Anthony said, and also uh, our voting so that we're not voting for a person and their personality, but we're voting for their policy. So the bet, yeah, the better we we understand that, the better off we'll all be. And you know, Anthony, you point out these freer nations have stronger economies. Freer uh, economic freedom also means better health, better education, better environmental programs. So that's really interesting how you tie everything in. I mean, really, you know, you, you really raise a very important bottom line here. I mean, economic freedom is not about your buying power, how much money you can earn, how much money you can pass on to your sons and daughters. I mean, it's not just about pure materialistic uh, kind of dimension. That's very, very simplistic kind of dimension. What we are here talking about is your overall well-being, your overall standard of living. So this is a really the big picture uh, system-wise, how we can be really pursuing our own dreams as we want. I mean, first think about this. I mean, you know, living in the United States versus living in Venezuela. I mean, you may want to visit Venezuela, Cuba out of curiosity, but ask yourself, do you want to live in a country like Venezuela, Cuba, North Korea, and all those countries uh, whose economic policies are really ruining its, their citizens? So to me, it's very crystal clear what we need to demand from our policymakers, sensible, good, sound policy discussions, how to improve our economic freedom on the issues of regulatory efficiency, the rule of law, and how to limit the government. I think that's the key discussions we should have. Yeah, and again, I would encourage people to uh, get the report, read it, and definitely go to um, the the link uh, on the Heritage site that shows all of the countries in their ranking. And a perfect example, and Anthony, you alluded to it earlier, 
um, you know, you were born in South Korea and then became an American citizen and have uh, thrived and enjoyed being here. But you look at your report and you see um, South Korea at number 24 and then North Korea at the very bottom, 178. And these literally are side by side. But because of policy and procedure, um, the quality of life is night and day. I mean, that's really good summary, Chris. I mean, really, as a simple, you know, mathematical problem, South Korea minus North Korea, that's like freedom, economic freedom, political freedom. I mean, it's funny to see Korea in the same geographic location, same people, very homogeneous society, but ideas matters. I mean, really, how they are so much different from each other, that's really, uh, uh, you know, uh, even shocking. So, once again, freedom matters. Ideas do have consequences. That's why we need to pay attention to, greater attention to, the values we cherish. Absolutely. Well, thank you for all the great work you've done as the research manager and editor of the Index of Economic Freedom. And if we uh, maybe we'll talk with you again later in the year to see how things are going or at least, uh, you know, your next uh, release of the 2022. But really good work. And thank you for making it available for everybody at no cost. Thank you, Chris, for having me. And also, let's keep the fire burning greater and brighter. This is a journey we are in together, and I appreciate your time. Oh, amen. I appreciate yours, Anthony. Thank you very much. And, folks, again, you can go to www.heritage.org, and you can uh, type in Index of Economic Freedom, or you can type in um, Anthony Kim, K-I-M, and uh, you'll see not just this piece, but his other fine work as well. And we always appreciate people, especially of uh, of Anthony's stature, taking time out of their schedule to be with us. Um, and I, I, again, the education and the insight that we get from uh, from folks like Anthony, it's just um, it's great. And you know, we really appreciate it. I hope you appreciated it as well. We're out of time, so we're going to wrap things up. And um, again, go to Heritage. Dot org. Check this out, man. Go to the link and you can see every country, countries I've never even heard of. That's what's also amazing about this. Um, and to think that Iraq and Libya and Somalia and Syria and Yemen, they're not even ranked. They can't even make it. That's pretty bad if you're below North Korea. Um, anyway, the uh, the latest complimentary takeaway we have for you at murrayfinancialgroup.com is the value of an objective opinion, why objective financial advice is important. Uh, thank you for your time this weekend. I'll be with you um, on the Morning News Express with Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick. Uh, that's uh, live weekday mornings at 5.56.50, and then we'll be back here next Saturday with another edition of the Your Financial Editor program. Um, so have a great rest of the weekend. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. Outside of this one church town, there's a golden dirt road to a whole lot of nothing. Got a deed to the land, but it ain't my ground. This is God's country. Pray for rain and thank Him when it's falling, cause it brings the grain and the little bit of money. We put it back in the plate, I guess. That's why they call it God's country. I saw the light in a 
Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com. A service of Partners in Care, Upscale Resale Boutique in the Willow Tree Plaza. News Radio 930, WFMD Frederick. A connoisseur media radio station. 7 o'clock.